You're listening to the Believe in Islanders show with Matt Watley. That's right. Another Believe in the Islanders podcast. It's Matt Watley here. We've got a quick one for you on this pre-Christmas, pre-holiday season week. We'll call it. We'll have a full show for you guys next week. Uh, the Islanders road trip coming to a close here on Thursday, taking on the Rangers. That's a game that if you win, you take a 1-1-2 and road trip into a 2-1-2 and road trip, and that sounds a lot better. Now, look, do you like losing three of the games? Absolutely not. But the beauty of the loser point and the overtime point is that it feels a little better. I mean, right now you're going into it. you got a 500-point percentage. That's pretty cool. So great show today. We'll get more into the State of the Islanders with Stefan Rosner of NY Hockey Now. An awesome interview with him. We'll also have our picks of the weekend. Let me tell you, if you're not following our picks, you don't know what you're doing. We're winning two out of every three each week. And the downside is, is I give some of my friends my, you know, the pick I like the most or the pick I think they'll be most likely to take. And last week that pick was Vegas, Chicago over six and a half. That lost. Now the beauty is that we won our Rangers money line at plus 104. So that makes up for that if you're betting even units. And then we also had the Vegas money line, no push. So it has to end in regulation at minus 130. And we won that one. So if you bet all three, you're making some money. This week, we've got two at plus money, one at a, a I would say it's good value given the, the pick that we're making on the money line. So we'll get that later on. But first, let's listen into our chat with Stefan Rosner. And we welcome in Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now. Stefan, first of all, thanks for joining us. And second, you, were, you had a nice little busy last couple of days on the five-game road trip. Yeah, it was fun. I didn't go to Boston, but I went and checked out Mullet Arena. First off, tremendous place to watch a hockey game. It does make your head like to stay put, and the Islanders couldn't stay there when you look at a, an arena that could hold 5,000, and I think they sold 4,800 in tickets. But, you know, we got a different angle. Usually for the media, you know, we're up above. But for, for Mullet Arena, we're, we're really up close, and you get to see so many of the little details in the sport. So Mullet Arena, definitely, if you're a fan of hockey, just for a game, go check it out because that was, that was a blast. So is there is so is there a media spread? Because I'm, I'm diving into all like the media perks here. So obviously you're you're flying with the with the people, yeah. but the, the media spread. How what was your favorite? Was there media spread, and which was your favorite one out of all the uh, places you've, okay. you've traveled to? So, so Arizona. Far? I'll tell you one thing. Arizona. At least they they charge NHL prices at their concession stands. Uh, they had a media meal. Usually media meals are ten to fifteen dollars on the road. Some places do a really phenomenal job. Other places not so much. Arizona was one of those places that not so much. I think when you can't tell if the meat is fish or chicken, you tend to pass. So I got pizza, but they charged, <laughs> you know, it was more expensive, but it was cool. I'm trying to think food wise on this trip. Colorado had a pretty good food meal. Um, Vegas had shrimp scampi and some pizza pasta thing. That was pretty good. But most places they, they treat the media pretty well. So I'm fortunate. So the food's been great. And I guess I'm learning now that you have to pay for the medium meal for some reason, I so, guess, because uh, where I'm in, in well, Syracuse, yeah. uh, one of my buddies covers a bunch of the games there. They get the meals for free. So I guess I'm a little surprised that you guys are, are stuck paying for it. But to so get into hockey, it's go ahead. Sorry, before sometimes like for Vegas, they had us on a list. Other times, like if the other team, like the Islanders will send a list of the media people coming. Sometimes they honor that and say, oh, you don't have to pay. Other times you do. Um, but at UBS Arena, we don't have to pay. They they comp us, and UBS Arena food is fantastic. But continue. So you're getting, and this is the last thing we'll say on this. I'm sure people are riveted and talking about yeah. media spreads and food. All right, so you're sitting there like writing your story and getting your tweets out with a uh, 
with a, a blue and orange bagel and a, a fried chicken patty between the two every day? Is that what it is? No, actually, you they cook us gourmet stuff at UBS. Like, we'll have salmon for dinner, steak, potatoes. Yeah, we get to eat before the game, which is great because we have time to kill anyway between between before warm-up start. But, uh, yeah, food's great. But let, let's talk some hockey, shall yeah, we? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we'll start with, with your neck of the uh, – of the ice goaltending, right? You wrote a story yeah. for NY Hockey Now about Ilya Sorokin, his struggles. I guess it was a week ago. We kind of talked about it on this show. And then he went to Arizona and gave up a ton of goals. Was that more of the same in that game, that kind of struggle with the puck tracking? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, we talked about how hot Sorokin started the season. I mean, Vesna candidate, the Islanders were just getting points because – you know, because of their goaltending. I mean, you have to count at Varlamov as well. He, he's he been amazing as well. But Sorokin over his last five starts heading into the Colorado game, something was off. Was he sick? Was he battling an injury? He wasn't tracking the puck well, but it wasn't only that. I mean, he was eventually have to come down to earth. But what we weren't seeing from Sorokin was those those anticipation saves, those highlight reel saves where that bailed the Islanders out from a couple of goals. I mean, over that stretch of, of five starts, he had gone winless. And he's still winless because he lost in the shootout. But he's much better. We'll get to that game in a second. But, you know, he was allowing goals that we don't see Sorokin allow. You know, I'm not saying that's a goal. Goals were going in that, you know, oh, my God, those can't go in. But it wasn't Sorokin-like. He wasn't banging the team out. He wasn't tracking the puck well. It didn't seem like he was fighting around screens. And, it, and I did a story uh, Monday morning, and Corey Schneider got called up. Fantastic individual, great guy. And I said, you know what? Let me go talk to Schneider. Maybe give me some insight into what we're seeing from Sorokin, what his mindset was when he was struggling. And I did a great piece. I, I thought it was great. It was a really fun interview. And Schneider pretty much said it's it's all confidence. You know, and the biggest thing was he said, he, and he said to Sorokin, he told me what exactly he said to Sorokin. He pretty much said, you know, when it's going bad, the game's not as hard as you think. And it's when it's going really well for you, the game's not as easy as you think. And there's a fine line between that. But he told Sorokin, like, you're a one of the best goalies in the league. Just, just remember that. And whether that confidence boost helps Sorokin play. I mean, look at that Colorado game. That was Sorokin. Yes, he doesn't get the win, but he stops 46 through regulation overtime. I think 15 were high danger goals. He had a goals expected goals against a five in that game. He allowed zero besides a beautiful nifty shootout move by Evan Rodriguez. But you saw Sorokin. He was aggressive early. He was controlling his rebounds. He was fighting through screens, which Lambert alluded to after the game. Like he saw him do that. So it was a great bounce back performance for Sorokin. And with Varlamov out now until, you know, probably till next week or after the new year, they're going to need Sorokin to be at at his best because these are premium points right now to, to, you know, they have these two games against the Rangers and against the uh, Panthers. And then the week after you get the Penguins, and these are, these are big points. We know how tough the Metro is. So the Islanders are not going anywhere unless Sorokin is Sorokin. And it was definitely a good bounce back game for him on Monday. Do you see him carrying that over from Monday's game? Obviously, look, you know, we could have said that weeks ago when he first started the struggle, you know, he look look what he did two games. Look what he did three games ago. He was great. Yeah. So do you see, um, do you see that kind of him getting back into form? Even when he was losing, Sorokin was a confident player, but you could tell there was something going on there. And I think, you know, with Sorokin, and you see with every goal, you want repetition. You want to be in there every night. And I think with Varlamov playing so well, I'm not sure if that had any impact on Sorokin's play, but La uh, Lambert was alternating. And if you're a, a, a great goalie like Sorokin is, you probably want the, the decrease every night to build on your game. Now, after what Sorokin just did against Colorado and Varlamov was healthy, no matter how good Varlamov was, I would have started Sorokin Thursday against the Rangers. It is an MSG and Varlamov owns them. But again, when a goalie plays that well, you kind of want to reward him. And again, Sorokin's your number one as much as Varlamov has been amazing. 
Sorokin's your guy that you really need. So, I mean, I think confidence, I for sure he can build on it, and he's going to have to. And the good thing about this week week coming up is that with Varlam about, Sorokin probably gets both games. And do you think and it's he's a done positive, it the back-to-back? Because we've seen the Islanders for ages now, and, and every team across the NHL, not play the same goaltender on a back-to-back. And the Islanders had the the privilege and the opportunity to have Varlamov backing up, who's basically a, a 1B, a 1A even, in his own right. So gonna, Yeah, he's a 1A. Yeah. For Sorokin to play 120 minutes in what will end up being, what, not even 36 hours? Like, I guess you could say it's a good thing because now he can get ready and get healthy, but could, there, could that also be like a negative where you're sitting there and he gets shelled against the Rangers, and now he's got to come back and, you know, face another 50 shots against the Panthers. Yeah, so I asked Lambert. I said, because I, again, they don't divulge goaltending at all. But I said, I know you're not going to tell me who's starting. But if you have to go to Sorokin for back-to-back games, is there an extra sense, set of confidence with you there because he's done it before? Last year, he played Arizona and Vegas on a back-to-back and had two shutouts. And I'm pretty sure he also played two of a back-to-back before that. And Lambert goes, we'll see. You know, I'm not going to divulge who's starting. We'll see what happens against the Rangers. Now, if he doesn't play well against the Rangers could they start Schneider against the Panthers could but that's a very as much as the Panthers aren't a playoff team right now statistically in the standings they're an elite team so I think Sorokin's going to get him regardless but yeah if Sorokin could build off his strong performance Monday play well on Thursday he's getting the puck on Friday and if he plays well again you could pretty much say Sorokin's back now I'll say Sorokin's back already he's that good of a goalie all it takes is one start to bounce back and you know you look at that Arizona game he wasn't great but a couple of pucks bounced in he didn't get support and again Sorokin hasn't gotten that much support all year. He was just making those ridiculous saves that no goalie should be making, which is helping the Islanders get points. So again, Sorokin doesn't have to, he shouldn't have to be superhuman every night, but just for him to get back to the basics, which is what we saw on Monday, that's a positive sign going forward against the Rangers. And let's talk about the defense because yeah, it's been bad all season long. Like a week ago, I, I had the, the stats and they were the 31st ranked team in expected goals allowed. What what changed overnight from Barry Trot saying we will not give up a goal by any means necessary? Now we also won't score a goal by any means necessary. To we're going to have our defense score, you know, twenty goals, and then if we give a bunch of goals, it is what it is. What, what changed stylistically? Yeah, so actually, this is a perfect. I don't know if you read the article or not, and just made a perfect segue. But I just wrote an article for NY Hockey Now. I spoke to Ryan Pulak and Zach Parise about the changes. You know. What exactly, you know, 33 games in, what is the difference between what Trotz did and what Lane's doing? Both of them said it wasn't much, but the biggest thing is that the defense is being activated. It is not only, the defensive men aren't only transitioning, but, you know, they're hugging the blue line. They're keeping pucks in. They're getting shots on goal. They lead the the NHL in goals from defensemen this year. I think they're at 31 right now. Um, Dobson has 10 to lead the way. He's going to have a career year. He had 13 last year. He's going to shatter that. So I think that's the biggest thing. But when we spoke to Lamarillo Monday morning, because he addressed the media, we asked him about, you know, how comfortable are you with what the system changes that Lane had? And he said, listen, I think every question has been answered about the offense. Clearly they could score. They're averaging 3.15 goals per game. Now they've been shut out a couple of times. And recently the goals may not be coming at the same rate, but he goes, we've had to sacrifice a little bit of defense. And right now we're balancing it out right now, but he's happy with where the group is. Now Lamarillo is never going to say he's not happy. He built this team. You know, he's never going to bash them, but, what I will say about the defense is, yeah, the biggest thing is activating the D. The issue is now defensemen getting back. Because when the D, if both defensemen step, which was the biggest issue with Romanov and Dobson early, is that Romanov, very aggressive guy. Dobson's only been an aggressive guy in the NHL because he's always had that defenseman, whether it was Boychuk, Green, or Char. They hung back. 
And with Romanov stepping, now you're, you know, you have, you're leaving wide open chances for odd man rushes. So what Lane has done is he's tried to figure out the best defensive combos that he can. And with Pelik out, that changes things. Over the last couple of games, he went back to Romanov and Dobson, who, again, struggled to start the year. They look pretty good now. I think they've understand each other's games. I thought against the Colorado game early, the, the Islanders played their system, Lane's system to a T. They got on the four-trick early. That's how you slow fast teams down. That's how you have to. That You can't allow the transition. The system, the structure, the defense looked great. Again, halfway through that game, things changed, caught out a push, and then Islanders got exposed. Sorokin was great. You go to overtime, and you go to a shootout, and you lose. But I think, yeah, overnight is just Lane knew and saw that he could get more out of his defenseman. Last year, the defense struggled mightily. They didn't produce. And now the reason the offense is the offense that it is this year is 50%, 60% because of what the defense is doing. Again, not only are they scoring, they're shooting more which is generating more chances. And that's, you know, the Islanders' biggest issue is five-on-five play. If they didn't have this defensive structure and the defense weren't going up on the rush and the Islanders were playing more of that defensive style, they're not scoring as many goals and they're probably not in the playoff picture right now. So I think the biggest thing has definitely been activating D and the forwards now. Under trots, they were asking every player to play a 200-foot game. If you were a forward, if the puck got turned over in the offensive zone, you had to get back to the defensive zone quick. Now what you're seeing, and Parise spoke about this, is that, the, def- the forwards are staying on the forecheck instead of evading the zone. They are staying on the forecheck. They're getting they're pressuring the, the opposition, and they're keeping pucks alive in the offensive zone. And they're keeping pucks alive or they're stealing pucks in the neutral zone. When last year, you turn the puck over in the offensive zone, you're getting back on defense and just playing structured in your own zone, which allows the other team you know, to break through to get chances. So I think, yeah, activating the D and also just the forwards staying aggressive, that's been the biggest difference. And what the honors have to do now if they want to continue to stay in the playoff picture is shore up their defensive play because as much as the offense has been great, it's you're still seeing you know guys wide open in front or letting guys walk in. So the Islanders still have to figure that part out, and it's a learning curve for a lot of these guys who over since 2018 have been told you have to play defense, defense, defense. They get the freedom, then they got to make sure they get back. And I think over time, as they get accustomed to that system, they'll be better. But yeah, if they're going to be a playoff team, they got to shore up the defensive play for sure. Right, and and you you said that you spoke with Lou Lamarillo and the the whole media, you know, slew was able to, was there a take, was there a big takeaway? Was there a sense of urgency in his voice saying we've got to be better? They're, they're sitting a wild card spot and we'll get to what we think, you know, in a little bit, but you know, when, he, and you got to read between the lines with Lou, but what was kind of the biggest takeaway from that conversation? He seems pretty happy with where the team's at. Now, again, he has to be, and, and he's always looking to improve if he can. He's never going to badmouth anyone. He's a very loyal guy. But he seemed to be satisfied right now with what Lane's been doing. And again, I mean, it's hard not to look at what happened last year. The fact that they're in a playoff spot with the same team kind of seems like, okay, Lane Lou banked on himself. And I think that's a that's a positive at the same time. I don't think anyone's going to be satisfied if this team makes the playoffs as a wildcard team and gets bounced in the first round. Because again, they need a high caliber scorer. They probably need another defenseman if they're going to make a run. But to look at where they are from last year to now, you could put into quotes, it's been a successful year because they could have been horrendous. But at the same time, I think there's a there's much more to be desired for this team. Even with the group they have, they could be much better than they are. Where do you see them going, you know, with a trade? Do you expect a big trade? We haven't seen this team really go out there, you know, put their chips all in on the table and go after a guy like Patrick Kane or after oh, is it is it is it Horvat? Out in Vancouver, I always yeah. Brandon Besser are the entire team's a mess. So you can name yeah. any single guy not named Elias Patterson on that team, and I I would <laughs> say that they're they're on the market. But we haven't seen Lou go out there and get a true rental. 
could we see a Patrick Kane come in who's probably not going to resign or, or may, may not resign, I should say, versus going after a guy like a, a guy in Vancouver who may have a, a lower ceiling but could be here for the long term? No, Lou doesn't like rentals. And if you're going to give up a ton of first-round picks or prospects or whatever it's going to be, he's probably going to make sure that guy signs. Horvat, a guy like Kane, they probably want to join a team, see how it goes. And then if they do well in the postseason, bank on that. I mean, Bo Horvat's having a career year. He is not a uh, NHL-leading goal scorer at his ceiling. I mean, he's shooting at, what, like 22 23%. But what I will say is that the Islanders have reached out about Horvat. I can't say the same about Kane, but I know for a fact the Islanders had conversations with the Canucks I've written about it. The Canucks do want NHL-ready talent, young talent. Now, the Islanders don't have an amazing prospect pool, and you could probably say that Atu Ratu, who is probably their top prospect, may or may not be NHL-ready if you're going to rebuild for a team. Um, if the Canucks want to go that route, then Ratu might be a great piece, a Samuel Boldick. Um, the Islanders probably have to give up a couple of first-round picks. I know everyone's complaining about that, but at the end of the day, prospect's a mere prospect. If you could trade a prospect or a first-round pick for an NHL player, you know, is an NHL player. I think you do that every day of the week. I think, I think uh, prospects and draft picks are overrated because you don't know how they're going to turn out, especially in today's NHL. You'd have no idea. Um, I think Horvat brings a lot to this team. If you do and go and get Horvat or go and get a guy like Kane, for especially for Kane, salary is going to be retained. 50% usually is what it is on a, on a deal like that, which means the Islanders could go and get a defenseman as well. And for Horvat, same thing. If they brought in Horvat, they could likely go and get other pieces. Because, again, I don't think one player puts his team as a cup contender. They needed a high-caliber score for Barzal or for anyone you know in top six. They need it. Every team has a two-man unit. I keep saying this, and I say it over, over and over. I might have said it on the show, is Barzal, you know, you need, a Backstrom needs an Ovechkin. Or Barzal needs a, a guy that's going to finish. At the end of the day, Barzal is not a goal scorer. You know, he had more offensive chances this year. He's got the assist numbers. He's got four goals in 33 games, but he has 27 assists, which is towards the top of the NHL lead. You need someone. So going and getting a Horvat or a Kane definitely helps. There's no question about it. If I was going after someone who is willing to sign long-term, I think Timo Meyer is your best fit. Um, he's going to command a lot. Now, Horvat might get more. You know, the Canucks might get more for Horvat than the Sharks might get for Meyer just because the way it works, centermen. Centermen always get more. Even if they're not, you know, Timo Meyer, we know how good Timo Meyer is, or Vladimir Tarasenko. But the center position, the Islanders don't really need a center. If they did that, they could move Nelson to the wing, and I think that would be perfectly fine. You have a top line of Nelson, Horvat, Barzal, if that's how you want to go about it. I don't know. The so do you work. see Nelson being moved to wing over Barzell? Because I, I feel like Barzell screams winger to me, right? He's, he's not the best in the faceoff circle. He can fly up and down the ice. He's a great passer. So I guess, do you want the passing more in the middle to go to either wing? Or are you looking at, you know, Nelson commanding the center of the ice as a guy that can win faceoffs and play that center role better? Well, Nelson has showed you over the last couple of years, especially that he could be a two, uh, a two way forward. He, he is, he, he is so underrated. And I have a story coming out tomorrow morning about, you know, how the locker room feels about Nelson and what he's done over the last couple of years. It's an interesting. Nelson's played wing before. And as much as Barzal's story was in the faceoff dot, he understands the center position. He does turn the puck over a lot, which Nelson can help with that. So can a guy like Horvath. So the Islanders would have options if they got a centerman. I think Nelson creates for himself, and he can cut to the middle into the slot. And he has a ridiculous shot. So I think it might benefit him playing the wing. But again, the Islanders, you know, we look at the Islanders team. There's so many versatile guys on this team, which makes them great. It's just you need to bring in a guy that's going to finish chances. And right now, you know, even a guy like Wallstrom, who's played better defensively, 
you know, he's not finishing the chances at the same rate that you would like to see. And at the same rate for all these guys on this team. So I guess that's a problem for if the honors go and get someone. I would, if I'm Lou though, and you know, you, you have no choice but to get a high caliber guy. Cause again, you can make the playoffs probably with the roster you have barely you'll sneak in as, and we see this Islanders team when you get to the dance, you know, anything could happen, but if you want to win a Stanley cup, you need some clutch guy to come in. That's going to finish chances. And right now the honors don't have that high caliber guy they need. And you got options on the market. And if I'm the honors and you're really, you know, invested in, okay, we're not just going to be satisfied making the playoffs. He's got to pull the trigger. This has to be the year to do it. So we know that this team could in theory be a playoff team. Like they have yeah. the, the pedigree, the talent, whatever you want to call it, but they're three, five and two in their last 10. They're, they're trending yeah. down. Whereas the Rangers are up, you know, the Capitals are up. The Penguins yeah. are, are up. What do you see of this recent skidding? Like how scary is it for an Islanders team that put all its eggs in the same basket as last year and, and might still come up short? You know, they're only, they're basically even with the Capitals in points at this point. So there's a lot of the fan base that wants them to do what they did last year, because then it just goes to show that, listen, they need to shake up. Now, again, if you're a diehard fan, you want to see them make the playoffs. I think even as media people, it's so much better when the team's doing well to talk to the players. And then of course, the cover them in the playoffs. This stretch is also the injuries. The Islanders dealt with no injuries to start the year. Then they lose Clutterbuck a couple, you know, here and there. Palmieri's out for 10 games and now he's out again. Adam Pellick, might be more valuable than Matt Barzal is to this team because what he does defensively and all that kind of stuff. And you're at, without him for, I think it's going to be seven games tomorrow, or it's already been seven. So the honors are trending water right now because of all these injuries. Now, yes, Simon Holmstrom's come up, Fashing has come up, and they've been great. Holmstrom's been league since he's come up, not just on the honors, in the league. So yeah, guys coming up and filling in, but you know what Pelic does defensively, no one's filling that role. And again, when Pelic went down, and when the Islanders need good goaltending, Sorokin struggled. So right now, I would call this stretch. I wouldn't be concerned with it, especially if they can get Varlamov back and Pelic back. Yeah, I mean, Pelic hasn't skated, so that's concerning. Especially with, I mean, he got he got rocked, and like he came out looking like he had no idea where he was. So it'll be interesting to see because again, Salo hasn't done an amazing job filling in. Aho has been great. I think you've gotten more out of Aho than you ever expected. But right now, the Islanders are treading water, and they're going to have to tread water. And the, that that's become the big issue is, okay, is Lou going to make a move and does he wait? Because I'm not sure if this team right now with how tight the Metro is, if they can wait till the March, I think it's the third, March 3rd deadline. They might need to go pull the trigger now. And I I, I think uh, Elliot Freeman or Darren Drager reported that, you know, Horvat might not make it to the deadline. They might trade him sooner than later. And again, the Canucks are not out of it either. They could hold on to him. So, I mean, it's definitely a situation where if you're an Islander fan, you should be worried. But at the same time, look at big picture, the injuries they're dealing with. And again, it's going to come down to Lou. All this comes down to Lou and what he's willing to do to help the team. A guy like Josh Bailey, great guy. His game against Colorado is probably the worst game we've seen from him in like five years. You know, if he's going to be on the ice every day, you're going to have a hard time winning because you're playing in with Barzal. You need someone on his wing that's going to, you know, just not even be solid. Be useful. Be better than bad. And again, I'm not trying to say that Bailey's useful. He had a great assist against uh, in the Coyotes' loss. He, he played well, but against Colorado, you know, against a good Colorado team that had missing players due to injury. I mean, they were without McKinnon. That was a game you could have won. You didn't have enough offensive chances. And he really was an anchor on that line with Barzal. He was. And you need Barzal to have the best players around him. And again, that comes back to Lou. Lane's tried. Lane's changed up his lines, I think, like 30 times already this year. He's benched Bailey. You know, he scratched Bailey. He scratched Bo, who, by the way, Bo looks great since coming back from his injury. Uh, Anthony Bavillier, but it comes down to Lou's got to give Lane the best players available, and he's got to allow these young guys to play. Like again, Holmstrom, when players come back healthy, fashion even, they can't come out of the lineup. 
they give you the best chance to win. So it'll be very interesting to see what Lane does when everyone becomes healthy and what Lou does at the deadline or before because this team needs a wake up. What it screams to me, it's what's the issue. It's been the issue since John Tavares left is this team doesn't have <laughs> the top end talent to not only set pace with the Lightning, but also like look at the slotting of players. Like you have Josh Bailey on your top line. He's not a top line player. Is he a second line player? Yeah, like he's a nice second line player that has some responsible play defensively. He's a great third line skater. So, you know, you're playing him in a spot where you kind of have nobody else. And that's where you see Barzell struggle to score because he doesn't have a guy that he can give the puck to confidently. And that's why I think when I look at what they're looking for, it's got to be Patch Kane or it's got to be, you know, Horvat. And it's got to be soon. Like we can't, like you said, you can't wait until the deadline. There needs to be some urgency. And, you know, maybe these injuries are the sense of urgency that you need. Maybe you lose to the Rangers, you lose to the Panthers, and then all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in, and it's a lot harder to get back into the playoffs rather than just maintaining where you are because you don't have control of your position at that point, as dumb as it sounds. And I thought the Capitals were gone at the start of the year. I thought they were dead in the water with their injuries. They're on a heater right now. The Sabres could be a playoff team right now. There's two, and the Panthers are, aren't even the plus, but they were the President's Trophy team yeah, last year. So, and, they'll make, and they'll make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it might be tight because at that point, it's gonna, it, at that point, if they if they make the playoffs, it means the Islanders or the Rangers, or I guess the Penguins are out. So like they might just be this team that's squeezed out in the whole mix. And then at that point, if they miss it, then you can't tell me the Islanders are locked to make it. The Panthers miss because they were incre- no. incredible last year. I personally believe this, and I'm not trying to just – I believe that the seeding for the East, especially the Metro, is going to come down to the last week of the season. I think it's going to be that tight. Again, I don't know if the Islanders will be part of that conversation coming out of the season, but wherever teams do make the playoffs, it's going to be a grind to the end. I think it's great for hockey. Obviously, as a fan of the sport, you want to see that competitiveness. You don't want to see teams pull away. I mean, even the Devils have come back to life and are cold. So you, we have no idea how the season's going to play out. But, yeah, I think it's detrimental to wait. The longer you wait, Again, I, I do think the injuries, there's a silver lining. You got to see what it's all about, and you like his game. Not as a top six guy, but he's a perfect guy alongside Parise and Pajot for a shutdown, parent, a shutdown line. I mean, we say that Barzal's the top line. Now, it's you could argue and say Nelson's line's the top line, and Barzal's line's the third line. You could say that with what, you know, Pajot's line goes against the best of the best in the other team. The Islanders don't have a top line. Let's just say it like that. But no matter where Barzal is playing, he needs support, and all it takes is for a guy that just could finish. The offense will increase. That takes a lot of pressure off the defense, takes pressure off the goaltending, which, again, has had to be damn near perfect most nights. A lot goes into whatever Lou's about to do. But like I said, this the, the seating's so tight, the standings are so tight, that if you want to wait till the deadline, first off, you're going to overpay for a guy. Just what it, Every team's going to overpay at the deadline. That's how it works. Can you work with a team right now and figure out a way to not overpay? And you know, if you have to rid yourself of prospects, like I said, you do it, but the honors are, you know, I I, I want to say that they'll do well in the playoffs if they get there because that defensive system. But again, the defense isn't been good as it's been under trots. Can you rely on your defense when you get to the playoffs? I don't know if Sebastian Ajo and Robin Sell in a lineup, the way they get pushed around, even Dobson is able to is going to be able to play a lockdown defensive game in the playoffs. And we know and for the offense in the playoffs, you need some guys to come through in big moments. It's not as open and free as it is right now. So is there that one guy on the team besides a guy like Nelson? That's going to snipe from the top of the circle and score that critical goal in the playoffs. I'm not sure. I don't think so. That's why I think it's critical to get that guy here now. That way you could alleviate some pressure, especially with Pelic out. You need as much offense as you can get. Right. And now looking ahead, they play the Rangers. What'll be on Thursday. Yeah. 
it just feels like this team's just been going like been going through emotions a little bit. It's been too much. Oh, we didn't play a full sixty. Yada 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 for for a lot, especially this road trip. How big is it to play not only a team that's been red hot in the Rangers, but also a team that you always end up playing a full sixty for? Like you never see the Islanders or the Rangers take a period off because of the rivalry. So how important is this just to re-energize the team and refocus them after what's been a middling last ten games? Yeah, so if you want to take it down a little bit, they're one, one, and two on on this road trip. So that's what is it? That's two fifty percent uh, point percentage. Yeah, fifty percent point percentage. Can you put a a check mark on the road trip if you could go beat the Rangers in their building in regulation? One, stay in the playoff race. Two, obviously. one, and two. I'll take it. Well, two, one, and two. You look again without Pelic, without Clutterbuck, without Palmieri. You played Boston, Vegas. You should have won the Arizona game, but you know you lost that one. And you played Colorado tough. Vegas is a very good team. Boston was unreal at home. And Colorado, minus McKinnon, obviously, is still a really good team in their building. That's a lot of injuries, though. Like, that that's a tough loss. I'm glad you got a point. But to be outplayed by Colorado with oh. the injuries they've had is a, is a really tough break for that team. Fair. But you're looking at that road trip where you really just had to tread water on that road trip. And if you could come and beat the Rangers now, essentially, you did better than 50% point percentage. You treaded water. Again, they should have beat Arizona, but you could have said they should have beat Arizona. Maybe they shouldn't have gotten to overtime against uh, to extra time against Boston. So again, it, it kind of works out that way. But yeah, all the players said it. We spoke to them after the Colorado loss. They all said road trip's not done. We have a big game against the Rangers, and if they beat the Rangers, they sweep them this season. That's the last game of the season. That's three and zero against the Rangers twice in their building. That's a huge confidence booster, especially when you have to go and then play the Panthers. On, fri- on Friday night, and then you have a little bit of a break with the holidays. You're going into the Christmas, you know, feeling okay. Then you come out of the break and you pay a Pittsburgh Penguins team that, you know, that's that's a rivalry game, not to the level it is against the Rangers, but you got to build confidence. You got to got, you know, this is a streaky Islanders team, and we haven't really seen them go on that amazing streak yet. And boy, could they use that now going into the new year, especially when they come out of the new year and they have another long road trip out west. Uh, you got Seattle, then Western Canada, which is going to be a tough one in itself. So, yes, getting points against teams you could beat. I mean, the Rangers are playing well right now. What more of a statement is it to go into their building and beat them? And it, it feels like they're preparing to win this game. And I'm not going to go and say of they're course. going to. But listen, I, I know you're not a betting man. You can't bet on the team that you cover. But I, I yeah. certainly can. And, and if I had to bet on that game, given the perceived value the Islanders will get. And actually, I'll, I'll look it up right now. I don't care. I know you yeah, I know you can't talk about it, but I can certainly talk about it. I mean, I can certainly talk about the numbers and, and what I think. I mean, I well, first off, again, the Islanders have played the Rangers well this year probably better than any opponent they've played. And I I don't know, for some reason on MSG Ice, especially when Varlamov plays, this Islander team, I mean, they just find ways to win it. And for yeah. the Rangers, you know, it brings out the best in the Islanders. And you've seen the Rangers not play great against the Islanders for whatever reason this year. It's, it's been like that. The Islanders are, you know, they go into every game expecting to win. But like I said, especially with how the road trip's gone, to get those two points, to, to be above 50% on a road trip, which again, could have gotten more points on, but was still tough opponent-wise, regardless of injuries and what they've been dealing with injury-wise. That is critical to moving forward. Every game, you know, Lane has always said it, Lou's always said it. I understand it. They don't ever look ahead. One game at a time, one period of time. And that's what it's going to have to be against the Rangers. It's a tough team on fire right now. The only way you're going to beat the Rangers is if you play your game. Because if the Islanders go in there and they get caught into the Rangers game and Sesterkin gets settled in and that happens... There, it's going to be tough to beat. So if the Islanders get in on the forecheck early, slow down the Rangers' transition, get shots on Shesterkin, get him out of his groove, and the, and Sorokin plays the way he did against Colorado, 
they should win this game, and they're probably underdogs going into it. I'm not sure what the exact numbers are. What are they? Probably plus plus one thirty two. One ten. One thirty two. So is, you know, is great I'll, value. I'm 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 taking the Islands. We do a little a pick segment at the end of our show here, and I'll tell you right now, the Islands will be money line will be one of my picks just on the the value alone. Well, and you're getting the Shesterkin. You should be, excuse me, getting the Shesterkin Sorokin matchup. So that's a fun one in itself. What is the what is the over? The over is five, five and a half. half. At what is it minus one ten six? If we're being, if we're being uh, okay specific. So I mean, again, five and a half is tough because you look at it. You know, a four two game, empty net goal. You know that that kind of ruins that. But if those two are on their game, it's going to be a tight game. And we've seen it before where it takes a last second goal. I remember Palmieri a couple. Was it this year or was Anders Lee this year? Actually, that scored the Islanders come back in the third. And Anders Lee scores like a couple of minutes left. So I think it'll be a tight game. Um, I'm not sure what the over-under will be like, but if you think the Islanders are going to win, that's great value for them, especially because they play the Rangers well and they're going for the season sweep. Yep. And then let's say that Friday it's the Panthers, they, they better win. It's my first game at UBS. So. Oh, you're yep. going? Very nice. Yep. I'll be going. I'll be in the stand somewhere. It's my mom's birthday. So we're doing that whole thing. And oh, uh, very nice. I found an old Islanders starter jacket uh, with the Fisherman logo. So, <laughs> so what better that. than for 90s night to, to break that one out? I'm sure the old heads in the arena will, will and, throw popcorn at me. But Yeah, and they uh, – yeah, they probably won't even go to the old heads. They say they're not going to go for the – you know, when they wear the Fisherman. They're wearing the Fisherman uh, on that game. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's tough to win back-to-backs. It's tough to win any game in this league, but they, uh, just confident-wise. If they go they, – and uh, they also – the Islanders thought they played a pretty good game against Colorado. I think they had a pretty good half of a game. They didn't produce enough offensively. Obviously, they got shut out, but they didn't create enough after half to the second. And they took penalties, too. That didn't help. But, I, I, again, if they can beat the Rangers on home ice, they come home against the UBS arena. They're back in the fishermen. They have the fan support. They haven't been on home ice in a while. It bodes well. But, again, it starts with beating the Rangers on, on their ice. Certainly, certainly. That's pretty much all I had for you, Stefan. Why don't you uh, plug your stuff before we get you out of here and you can uh, go to bed. I'm sure you've been working quite a bit the last few days. I got to I gotta eat some dinner. But, yes, I, I am exhausted. So, yeah, you could find me on Twitter at Stefan, S-T-E-F-E-N, underscore R-O-S-N-E-R. And my work's at nyihockeynow.com. All right, Stefan, thank you for joining us, and we'll catch uh, catch up with you again soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And again, we thank Stefan Rosner for joining us here on the Believe in Islanders podcast. Honestly, just an awesome conversation. Great chatting with him and getting his insight on either Sorokin and the rest of the team. Of course, we had to break down a media spread. Because as everyone knows, I love food, and I love media. So what's better than that? Media spread. I didn't know you had to pay for the media spread as frequently as, as you did in some of these scenarios, which I think is nonsense. If I'm coming here to cover a team, I should be fed. That's what I believe. But I haven't been called to cover a team yet. So we'll wait and see how that works for me. But getting back to the the week ahead, we'll call it Rangers on Thursday, today, if you're listening to the podcast. That's got to be a win. I'm sorry. I know the Rangers are on a heater, but you kind of have their number, do the Islanders have. And that's a game you really want to win to make this road trip feel right. And also, you sweep the range. How awesome would that be? Right? Sorokin plays a nice game on Monday. You don't love him going back-to-back on the on the Friday night, taking on the Panthers, a team that's desperate for wins below you in the standings, believe it or not. So, go out there, win the first one. If you lose the second one, I'll be disappointed as I'll be going to the game, as we said in the interview. But you can't really complain when you have one starting goaltender, one hurt, and then a fringe AHL guy in Corey Schneider, with all due respect to Corey Schneider. So you want to go out there and win the game on Thursday. The game probably matters more than the, the Florida game. You know, in division, you're battling for a wild card spot directly right now. 
get that one cleaned up, and then see what you can do on Friday against the Panthers. Make it interesting, at least. The rest of the way, you've got that nice Christmas break, which will be a good chance for the team to reset. Hopefully, you can get Adam Pellick back in time right after the holiday break, because, boy, does this defense miss him. And you face the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday. And that is a tough game, man. That team that started off hot, got slower in the, in the early, middle portion of the season, and since then has been really, really good. Crosby's awesome. Malkin's awesome. Inexplicably, Chris Letang is back somehow. That's a good hockey team that you've kind of had a mini rivalry with as of late. So hopefully you can win that one too. Again, if you can take two out of every three games, and in this case to be with the Rangers in Pittsburgh, you're in a good position to make some noise and get to the end of the line where you want to be. And now, of course, what everyone's been waiting for is the picks of the week. Again, we are just red, red hot. And we'll start off with the one that we said during the interview. Give me the Islanders' money line tonight, Thursday night, that is, taking on the Rangers. It's plus 132. That's incredible odds. I'm sorry. I can't pass up odds that good. You know, you look at some of the the, the really big underdogs are always like plus two something. You're not getting that here. It would have been nice. You know, Islanders' been on a, on a skid. I would have loved to have that kind of odds. But also, a pick that we have coming up as well, those 50-50 toss-ups, usually the road team will be like plus 104 or plus 100. We're getting 132. So that's a really good number for a team that I think has the Rangers number. And I think the Islanders will win this one. The second one, minus 118. Give me the Seattle Kraken taking on Vancouver. It's not the best value, but when you consider how good Seattle's been for a decent portion of the season... It's not something that I can not take. You know, their goaltending's been nice and solid. The, the scoring's been there. You know, they're 5-5 they're five and five in their last time. They've been average. When I look at Vancouver, they're just not a good hockey team. They're not. Thatcher Demko struggled immensely. I wouldn't hate the over in this game either, but I like the Seattle money line straight up. If you want to dabble even further and really go into the weeds with it, uh, let's check what the, the no-tie regulation bet would be here as we open up the old sportsbook app. Let's see if we can get there in decent timing because that's a game. Can I see it going to overtime? Yeah, I guess. But also in that same vein, are you going to get much better value if you're getting the try bet money line no push? I mean, you're getting them at plus 130. I might have mis misplayed my hand here. That might be the move. But I'll lock in at minus 118. We've already put the money on that one. So give me Seattle on the money line however you want it. If you want to be a little risky, go ahead. If not, then do your thing like I'm doing. And the final pick, Carolina Moneyline plus 104 against Pittsburgh. All we need to do to make our money back is win, you know, two of the three bets. If we can get the, the Islanders game, that'd be great. That gives us a lot of plus value. Carolina kind of second. If we get Carolina and Seattle, we're making money. I really like Carolina in this game. Uh, oh, man, what the, what's their goalie's name? Piotr, whatever he is. He's on my fantasy team, too. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Just a complete brain fart on my part here. But their goaltending has been spectacular. Goal, rookie of the month, goalie of the month has been their goaltender in net. He's been awesome. They're a good team. They don't really struggle all that much as we pull up the goaltender I'm thinking of. And that's, of course, Piotr Kachetkov. So he's been a stud, man. Like, he's been great. So I think that the Carolina Hurricanes ride him to victory on Thursday night. So to wrap things up, Islanders money line, Seattle money line. Carolina money line. Lock them all in. We'll make you money. We're 13 and 8 since the start of the season. And that'll just about wrap up our show today. Thank you all for listening. Give us a follow at MattWatling99. Give us a follow at Believe in the Isles. And we'll catch you guys same time, same place 
next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.